Mosaic believes that the church is designed to be a genuine community of people, creating a safe space of belonging for all, seeking to serve our neighbors with the compassion of God, providing opportunities to learn to be more like Jesus, and living life well together. This can't happen in a one-hour time slot on Sunday mornings, yet we desire to be a worshiping, missional community in Clayton, North Carolina. Visit MosaicClayton.com or find us on Facebook, Mosaic Church of Clayton. Luke chapter 13, 31 through 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finished my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way. For it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Our sermon title this morning, I don't often come up with sermon titles. Usually I let Michael figure it out, figure out something fun for um, the podcast and, you know, just hope he doesn't embarrass us all. I'm just kidding. Uh, He never does. Um, But this morning as I was, or this week as I was preparing our sermon, the title, When is a Lion Like a Chicken, kept coming to my mind. When is a Lion Like a Chicken? Corey Ten Boom was born on April, or 15th of April, excuse me, 1892, to a working class family in Amsterdam, Netherlands, near Harlem. That's Harlem with two A's, not here in America. She was the youngest child of Casper Ten Boom, a jeweler and a watchmaker. Her father was fascinated by the craft of watchmaking and often became so engrossed in his work that he forgot to charge customers for their services. She trained to be a watchmaker herself and in 1922 became the first woman licensed as a watchmaker in the Netherlands. Over the next decade, in addition to working in her father's shop, she established a youth club for teenage girls which provided religious instruction and classes in the performing arts, sewing, and handicrafts. She and her family were Calvinists in the Dutch Reformed Church, a a Christian church, and their faith inspired them to serve their community, offering shelter, food, and money to those in need. In May 1940, the Nazis invaded the Netherlands. Among their restrictions was banning their youth club that Corey had started. In May of 1942, a well-dressed woman came to the Ten Booms with a suitcase in hand and told them that she was a Jew. Her husband had been arrested several months before. Her son had gone into hiding, and occupation authorities had recently visited her, so she was afraid to go back home. She had heard that the Ten Booms had helped their Jewish neighbors, the Viles, and asked they might help her, asked if they might help her too. 
Casper Tinboom readily agreed that she could stay with them, despite the police headquarters that were just a block away. In this household, God's people are always welcome, he said. The family then became very active in the Dutch underground, hiding refugees. They honored the Jewish Sabbath with their refugee families to help them honor their faith. Thus, the Tin Booms began the hiding place. Corey Tin Boom and her sister Betsy opened their home to refugees, both Jews and others who were members of the resistance movement, being sought by the Gestapo and its Dutch counterpart. They had plenty of room, although that always meant during wartime that food was scarce. Every non-Jewish Dutch person had received a ration card, the requirement for obtaining weekly food coupons. Through her charitable work, Tin Boom knew many people in Harlem and remembered a couple who had a disabled daughter. Their father was a a civil servant who by then was in charge of local ration office cards. She went to his house one evening, and when he asked how many ration cards she needed, she says, I opened my mouth to say five, but instead, unexpectedly, the number that came out was 100. But he gave them to her, and she provided cards to every Jew that she met. The refugee work done by the Ten Booms became known by the Dutch resistance. The resistance sent an architect to the Ten Boom home to build a secret room adjacent to the rest of the house for the Jews in hiding, as well as an alert buzzer to warn the refugees to get into the room as quickly as possible if needed. On February 28, 1944, a Dutch informant named Jan Vogel told the Nazis about the Ten Booms' work. At around 12.30 p.m., the Nazis arrested the entire Ten Boom family. They were sent to prison when the resistance materials and extra ration cards were found at their home. The six people, though, hidden by the Ten Booms, among them both Jews and resistance workers, remained undiscovered. Later, Corey would receive a letter in prison that said, all the watches in your cabinet are safe, meaning that all the refugees had managed to escape and were safe. Sadly, all of the members of the Ten Boom family, other than Corey, died in concentration camps. However, over the course of their work, through just a few years, it is said that they saved around 800 lives of other people because of their courage. You know, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Just literally 20 seconds of just embarrassing bravery. And I promise you, something great will come of it. Jesus has been preaching, stirring up a lot of trouble because the political and the religious leaders of the day didn't like all the things that he was challenging. He was challenging them. The fear of losing what you feel entitled to is a very real fear that can lead you to do some really crazy things. The Pharisees come to Jesus to say that he should be careful. Herod has heard about what he's teaching and he's coming for him. 
This Herod is the son of King Herod, who forced a baby Jesus with Mary and Joseph to flee into Egypt to escape being killed. This Herod doesn't have quite the same authority and power because they're all now under Roman rule, but, but he's ruler over this small region where Jesus is now. And he was known to be just as crazy as his father was. But in this moment, Jesus is not deterred from his mission. He will continue to preach, continue to heal, continue to be among the people until his time is coming. He keeps moving forward toward the cross knowing what awaits him. He has the courage in the face of danger, wondering what could be around the next corner. Even more importantly, who could be around the next corner? And even when the worst happens, God is in it, and he will be returning to God, and he knows that. And along with his courage here, we see his compassion for the people. He wants to protect them like like a hen takes care of her chicks. Jesus compares himself to a mother, a mother who would do anything to care for her own. We see Jesus' heartbreak. This is not the way it has to be. The way to the cross is not the perfect plan, but it is the plan that sin makes necessary. We aren't often like the lion that we... Uh, equate to bravery and courage, like, like Jesus in this moment. But our other scriptures from today tell us that's okay too. It's been 10 years since Abram has heard from God. A first promise that came from God that said, I will give you many descendants, just go. So in a time where people didn't leave their families because they would have no protection, no providers, no way to make a living, Abram and Sarai just leave, not really sure where God's going to lead them to and not sure how God's going to bring about all the promises that God has made. They just go. And here, God just shows up again. Again, we don't really have any kind of idea why God is showing up in this moment, but Abram decides to take full advantage of it. (laughs) It's getting hard. He's getting scared. The promises don't seem to be coming true, and they have stepped out in faith. He wants to see something come to reality. We do see, I saw some of you exchanging funny looks. Yep, that was pretty gross kind of description of what happened with all the animals. We see God doing this creepy kind of thing. Uh, but it was a ritual with Abraham. And the point of it was meant that, that w- the one who passed through, which we had the symbolism of God being the one who passed through the pieces, the one who passed through was bound by life and law, to do what they had covenanted to do with the other one. So God is covenanting. It's another promise with Abraham. It's like the ultimate pinky swear, or like the ultimate like spitting in your hand and, and shaking on it. You were committed until death to do what you had committed to do. And so God is promising Abram to do what he committed to do. And while you would think that this kind of crazy moment, this God speaking directly to Abram, taking him outside and seeing the stars and all of its beauty, would have had this lasting impact on Abram, 
But if you have your Bibles, you may have noticed as you turn to that scripture that the very next story we have in scripture is Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, uh, where Abraham and Sarah decide to to take a hand uh, on their own, um, the, the having an heir thing on their own. Um, they decide they're going to fix it. They're going to make it happen. They show their lack of faith that God is going to do what God said God would do. But God comes back to Abraham and Sarah. And I think this is a little how a lion is like a chicken. We can have the faith of a lion, but we still have to be the little chicks that Jesus is gathering to himself. And that's what our psalm for today said. One commentary said, Even in times of trouble, the psalmist affirms that God is worth the wait. Even in times of trouble, God is worth the wait. There there are great moments of faith that we see in this psalm. The lion moments in life where we believe that God can do anything. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. We, we hear that, that scripture like just plucked out. But there's also a lot of pleading in this psalm. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You who have been my help, do not cast me off. Do not forsake me. That is a lot of pleading for a person that's supposed to have the courage of a lion. As I pondered our scriptures this week, I I thought about what makes true faith for us average human beings. What does courage really look like? And I believe it looks like a good mix of the lion and the chick. I believe the trick of, of walking the line between faith and doubt is wanting to believe, even in the middle of the doubt. Wanting to believe it could all be true. Wanting to have the courage in the face of doubt, in the face of fear, is believing that in the moments where the things are not going our way, where we are in danger, where we're grieving, where we're in pain, it is believing still, even then, that God is worth the wait. It is believing that sometimes all you need is just 20 seconds of insane courage. Just literally 20 seconds of just embarrassing bravery. Courage in the face of doubt. Being a lion while still being a chick can lead us forward like the Tin Boom family. I wish we could say that prejudices like this towards other religions, other skin tones, other people groups are gone. But the massacre that we prayed for, prayed about at the beginning of the service shows that's not true. We need people of courage today to stand up and defend, stand up and fight. There is a rise uh, in worldwide anti-Semitism of white supremacy, and it is evil. It is pure evil. It is fear-based evil. Evil that comes from fear that shrinks the world into an us and them. Fear that says one of us has to go and it sure isn't going to be me. Courage may look like standing up for another race or religion or, or maybe just speaking up to friends and coworkers and relatives about it. It may look like not living in fear yourself. 
It may look like speaking to a fellow coworker or student that no one else really wants to talk to. The weird one, who's weird for a reason, but, but no one knows it. Courage could be raising money or giving of your time to people in need. I believe that the world is waiting for, pe- for the people of Jesus to look more like Jesus. To stand up for the people on the margins who are just outside of those who were accepted. Those who were given second chances. Those who are wanting and waiting for someone to say, I believe that you are made in the image of God. No matter what the color of their skin is. No matter what their religion. We are called to stand in little and big ways. To make this world a better place. To bring the kingdom of God here. To act more like Jesus. As I said a number of weeks ago in a sermon, the gospel is not good news until it is good news for everyone. My guess is that you know what courage could look like in your own life. The promise we have this morning is that we serve a God who is worth the wait. Who wants to draw us to him like like a mother And there we can find that 20 seconds of insane courage and have something great come of it. We serve a God that can handle our pleading, our questions, our doubts, and that loves us and calls us anyway. A God that is waiting for us to have the courage to step forward and to do amazing things. Just... 20 seconds of embarrassing bravery is all it takes. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you love us and meet us right where we are. You love us like a mother that tenderly loves her children and wants to protect them and care for them. But we also... Thank you, God, that you are calling us into something bigger. That is, that's what the life of Jesus showed us. That because evil exists in the world, you are calling us to be just like Jesus. To bring the kingdom of God, to bring the purposes of God into this world. To bring peace, to bring love, to bring hope, to bring mercy and grace. God, help us this week to be able to embody courage, hope, peace, grace, mercy. To have the bravery to live that out, to show that to other people, even when it's hard, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's downright terrifying. God, help us to be more and more like Jesus. Help us even in our unbelief to want to believe. It's in your name we pray. Amen.